The New Orleans Pelicans escaped San Antonio with a win on a Zion Williamson game winner. And that game tells you exactly what the Pelicans need to do offensively going forward. Plus, we have new Pelicans trade rumors. It's the Monday episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Monday, kicking off a week's worth of shows, we got to recap the Pelicans' narrow victory over the San Antonio Spurs on Friday, 114-113. Because I do think that game actually tells you a lot about this team and what they should do going forward. That's the first two segments. Also, why'd they come out with lack of energy? Then we'll get into trade rumors because, look, the trade deadline is this week. And we're going to be covering it here on Locked On Pelicans, keeping you up to date on everything going on with the team. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. Again, it's the trade deadline. We're going to be breaking it all down. If something happens, we'll do an emergency show all about it. So make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Become an everydayer so you don't miss an episode at all. Breaking down everything that's going to happen. We'll make sense of it. I called last year that they said they're going to trade away Devontae Graham. They won't trade Jackson Hayes because I was telling you about the stuff with the salary cap and how important that was to the team moving forward. They let Jackson Hayes just walk, got his money off the books, saved him money. If they traded for him, they'd still be in the luxury tax potentially. So we cover it from all angles here. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. So let's get into the 114-113 win over the San Antonio Spurs. This was not a particularly inspiring win. The end of the day, the result's what matters, right? You're here to win games. They don't always have to be pretty. But they absolutely escaped San Antonio with a win against a team that is straight up bad, right? San Antonio is not trying to be good. They have the second, third worst record in the league, worst record by a good bit, five games in the Western Conference, right? They are 10 and 40. The Pelicans going into that game had 17 more wins than they did to escape by a point and needing a game winner, which was exciting and a great defensive play from Brandon Ingram too. I don't want to forget that doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. They came out looking slow and sluggish. Like they didn't really want to be there. Didn't know what they should be doing. We'll go more into that in the second segment of today's show, because I do think that is telling and There's a few takeaways from that. But really, I think what you want to look at with this game was Zion Williamson, who I thought played exceptionally well. 33 points on 21 shots. He got a terrible whistle in this game, too. Didn't get nearly as many foul calls as he should have. He was getting hacked all night long and was upset and yelling at the refs about it as he should. But 33 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, just 1 turnover, 9 of 13 from the line, 69% percent, but that's not great. But 33 points on 21 shots is great. And when you look at how he played in the fourth quarter, I think this was particularly telling. 
He scored 14 points of the Pelicans' 26 in the fourth quarter. And when they he was on the court, they were really winning their minutes, and he was looking more or less unstoppable, it seemed like, during this time. You know, he played the majority of that quarter in this game. And then when he sat, the opponent, the San Antonio Spurs, went on a massive run. When Zion was on the court in the fourth quarter, where did the plus-minus numbers just go here? They were a plus-eight. When he was off the court in this one, they went. the Spurs went on a 7-0 run and took the lead right away. They built up the lead with Zion out there and then immediately coughed it back up. That lineup, by the way, that coughed up that 7-0 run here was Trey Murphy, Brandon Ingram, Najee Marshall, Jonas Valanciunas, and Jose Alvarado. It's a middle-of-the-road lineup, right? And it just straight-up didn't work in this one. Then they put Zion Williamson back in, and they immediately go in and kind of go on another run and close this game out. And that's what you wanted to see. This basically, I think, goes back to something that we've talked about a lot this season. Point Zion, which is not something that they've really done a ton of, definitely seems to be the way for them to go right? The offense just seems to flow better when he's the focal point of it. And Brandon Ingram is working more as a secondary creator, as opposed to the primary creator of this offense. Zion just has that kind of court gravity that opens things up. It's why we've been calling for them to play him with more shooters, right? It's why in that game against the Utah Jazz, when they did point Zion, they exploded for 153 points, a franchise record, right? That's basically the one time they've really done that this season, and then they went away from it. After head coach Willie Green said they wanted to go to get the ball to Zion more. They did at times in this game, let him kind of attack. But down the stretch, when you needed to close out a win, getting those shots at the rim is exactly what you want. Zion looked at times unstoppable on this. And if he actually gets the foul calls that he should have, well, then you're going to start to see this guy go to the line and even be more unstoppable. But after some early season struggles, he has played very good basketball. There's a reduced role here. They don't involve him nearly as much as they should. He's talked about that. But he's been their most efficient player, I think, over the past handful of games, and they need to go through him more, right? We've seen that when you take the ball out of his hands, this offense can really struggle. He's not finishing at the rim as well, but he's still shooting an insanely high percent there that you need to try and take advantage of that more. And so going forward, I think the takeaway from this game is you got to get Zion Williams in the ball and put him in space and see if you can beat teams that way. That's really like the big takeaway, I think, from this. You know, again, he hit that game winner over Victor Wimbanyama, and it's kind of an insane thing when Wemby was blocking shots left and right, when the San Antonio Spurs were just blocking shots left and right. You know, to see them then blow the lead, the he was out of the... He, the only time he didn't play in the fourth quarter was one minute and 10 seconds, and the Spurs go on a quick 7-0 run, and the Pelicans don't, don't score any points during that. Like, that's not good, Right? Like, I don't need to explain that to you. You know, Zion this year is up to shooting 72.2% in the restricted area. They need to start taking advantage of that again more now that he's really finding his form. And if you do that, I think you can get some of these wins and make them a little bit more easier and not have this team look out of sorts like they did in this game. Side note on this. Actually, I'll touch it. There's a side note with Jonas Valanciunas that I thought was kind of interesting to me about this game. Let's save that for the third segment when we talk about trade rooms, right? Because I've long said don't trade him. But then you have a game like this and you're like, wait a second. We'll talk about that more in the third segment of things here. So coming up next, 
why the slow starts though? Like what's going on with kind of the sluggishness? Because really your heroes in this game, other than Zion kind of, you know, hitting that game winning shot, Brandon Ingram making the defensive play, right? Swatting that ball away from the rim that allowed Zion to get it in that fast break and run and score that way was Dyson Daniels and Jose Alvarado off the bench, the energy guys off the bench. Let's talk about that coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Right now, though, I'm excited to tell you about LinkedIn Jobs because, look, LinkedIn Jobs isn't just another job board. LinkedIn is a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else, and LinkedIn does all of that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. You know, your small business needs to keep going. You can't have a job posted for months on end. It's going to impact your bottom line. Get those positions filled quicker with a LinkedIn job. So LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many ads and might not have the time or the resources to hire. So that's why they're always going to make the process easy for you. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, maybe you are doing okay in life, right? You've had a couple of successes. You've started moving things in the right direction. You know, you can also build upon all of that. Don't worry about needing to completely reinvent yourself. Start to accentuate your strengths, highlight your strengths. Therapy is something that can help you do that. Or sometimes you just need to get stuff off your chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you. So it's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. So take a look at BetterHelp. I've used it for therapy, right? One of the things that I think is really important about it is it's entirely online. I don't have time to drive to a doctor's office to sit down, to wait, to go in, leave, then go home. This is flexible and suited to your schedule. So you match with a therapist, you can switch therapists at no additional charge. So therapy can be different for anybody. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports teams, and it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA to get started. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We are here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team. It's trade rumor season, trade deadline week. We're going to be covering it all here over at Locked On Pelicans. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We're here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. By the way, it's also... The big game this week. So if you want everything you need to know about the Super Bowl, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Okay, so let's keep talking about the Pelicans escaping San Antonio 114-113 with victory. It wasn't particularly inspiring, was it? The team came out flat. They came out sluggish and just didn't really look like into the game for a while, it felt like, right? Like they looked like they were just kind of out of sorts 
with everything. And that's definitely not what you want. You know, the San Antonio Spurs just played a more physical style of basketball. They were out hustling the Pelicans for a lot of things too. And New Orleans struggled with that. That's something they've struggled with, I think, all season long, right? When the game gets super physical, they don't really seem to match that with their opponents. That's a problem. It's a problem because look, it's a physical game, right? Especially when Zion's not getting some of the calls we want to see and he has trouble with, you know, the officials. It's a physical game and teams are going to start doing that. They're going to keep fouling him knowing that officials probably aren't going to call things all the time. So you want to make sure that you kind of match that energy, that physicality. And it took the Pelicans a while and it took them putting Jose Alvarado into the game to really kind of figure that out and try and go on a run in this one. Jose was influential on this team in getting the victory overall. He played also the entirety of the fourth quarter. I'm going to mention that again in the next segment because I do think that leads up to something when it comes to the NBA trade deadline here. But Jose was a plus nine in this game. Dyson Daniels off the bench and the defense that he provided, which was fantastic, was a plus 20. But this team really needs to start to figure out how to not get off to some of these slow starts. How many times have we said Najee Marshall came in and kind of upped the energy? How many times have we said that Jose Alvarado came into the game and upped the energy for this team? It shouldn't be those guys off the bench providing you know sparks like that. It needs to come from the starters and that starting unit. The problem is the starters have been just clunky together, right? They have a negative net rating on the season. There's things that you know just maybe aren't working there for whatever reason, right? And the Pelicans are going to look to address this potentially by moving Jonas Valanciunas out of there. We've also talked about maybe they need to look at starting Trey Murphy. They had an opportunity to in this game with no Herb Jones, no Larry Nance Jr. either, and they still kind of struggled. So maybe that's not the answer either. And as, So the more I think about this is... Again, I think it goes back to what we talked about in the first segment, right? Like the offense with these five guys is clunky for the way that they're kind of operating it, right? Like this doesn't feel like a James Borrego type of offense that they want to be running. It seems a lot kind of ISO and possessions where Zion Williamson doesn't touch the ball, things like that. Look, it comes to their running it through Brandon Ingram. And I wonder again, if with this starting lineup having talent out there, they should be better than they are, right? If you switch up kind of your hierarchy, and we'll get into hierarchy, I think, a little bit more throughout the year and definitely into the offseason here, because, and actually in the next segment too, because there definitely seems to be, and I don't think these guys hate each other or there's like a conflict between them, but there's definitely kind of some sort of ideological conflict with Zion running the offense and Brandon Ingram running the offense and kind of having that like doesn't totally work, right? Who's your number one guy? Who's the guy that's supposed to get you the bucket and win the game for you? Is it Zion Williamson? Is it Brandon Ingram? Right? CJ knows he's behind those guys in the pecking order, and I think that's good. Jonas is happy to do whatever. But I do think some of these slow starts and, like, not scoring points and lack of energy is just the lack of cohesion and, like, true plan for these guys to kind of stick to when it comes to all of that. If they go, hey, we're going to play through Zion. This is what we're doing now go out and execute, would they come out and just look sharper because everyone kind of has defined roles of what they're supposed to do? Are players going to be even okay with that is a question, especially this late in the season to try and do something like that. I don't know if there's an answer to that right now, and it's a bit of an open, open-ended question with all of that. But I definitely think that's a reason. You know, I got asked the other day by someone, actually a couple weeks ago now, got a text kind of randomly that was like, what would you do to fix the starting five? You know, and it's kind of like outside of a trade, what would you do? 
you know, to get the the offense going. My original response was, let's try starting Trey Murphy over Herb Jones to see if the shooting creates a little bit more space, makes things kind of flow a little bit better, allows for more backdoor cuts, more off-ball movement with better spacing out there, right? Okay, well, you saw that here. It didn't really kind of work. You know, as I've thought more about that, it's I think it's shift the ball away from having it in Brandon Ingram's hands is kind of your point forward, your point guard. And look, he was excited about that. When I talked to him at media day and I said, you know, what was it? What's it going to look like with James Brego? What have you talked about with him? And Brandon was like, I got the ball in my hands and was very excited about that. Right. Like that's kind of how he wants to play. But I as I think more about the starting five, I think it's less about putting someone moving someone to the bench and putting someone into the starting lineup and more about. Okay, you've got to play with point Zion and let that work, especially with the high level that I think he's playing at right now for the most part. You know, if Brandon Ingram is going to take threes and space the court, I think that can be a big help, right? He took two, just two three-pointers in this game against the San Antonio Spurs. That number needs to be higher. The Pelicans took just 26 threes. That's not going to get it done. Right. Trey is now, I feel like, in his head a little bit. Right. He only had took two attempts in this one. The Pelicans were trying to get downhill, but they also felt like they were stuck in mud. But I think if you just kind of shift around to we're going to put the ball in Zion's hands, y'all need to move off ball more. That wakes people up. It gets them doing all of that because they know kind of what it's going to be. Whereas when the ball is in Brandon Ingram's hands and as talented of a shot maker as he is, I do think people tend to have, you know, an issue where they just kind of stand around and watch. And then that gets contagious into other parts of the game, right? At one point, the Pelicans were just struggling with offensive boards for the San Antonio Spurs. They had 18 in this game, and the Pelicans were just straight up ball watching, just straight up ball watching on defense. And so I think sometimes you get this laziness on offense that then seeps into laziness on defense too. Well, we've just been standing around a bunch and we're just going to keep doing that. And that's that. The Pelicans were lucky here that they also killed it on the offensive glass and limited some of the damage that the San Antonio Spurs could get in terms of second chance points. But that wasn't a particularly inspiring display. And against a better team, you were going to lose that game. So I definitely think they need to start to refine some of the hierarchy and roles here because I think that's one of the main reasons why the starters are really struggling here. That it's not so much that these guys are not like good players or that you need more spacing. I think you just need to re redo your offense with the starting five and what the general game plan is. And that's going to lead to better things for this team. Truly, that's what I'm starting to think it is. I don't think there's a substitution to make as much as you've just got to kind of redo roles and things like that. Easier said than done. And there's egos involved in that. And that's part of the, you know, uh, the process with all of it. But I think you can definitely see that this team shouldn't be kind of coming out and relying on a guy like Jose Alvarado, you know, to give you energy. And look, they, they had to play Jose in the fourth quarter. This will tie into what we want to talk about in the next segment. I've said a backup point guard, I think is really useful here. And they definitely needed Jose Alvarado out there to kind of run the offense for the team. The problem is, He's undersized, and there's certain backcourt combinations that work and don't work, and that was definitely kind of part of what you saw in this game here. So you need to kind of maybe address that, which it sounds like the Pelicans are going to do. So, like, credit to Jose, who, you know, his minutes have been sporadic up and down the past month or so, being ready to come in and giving this team what you need. But there were times when that 7-0 run happens for the San Antonio Spurs in the fourth quarter where you need more offense out there on the court. And look, as much as I love, you know, Jose with everything, you don't get that at times 
with him out there. And then the undersized can be a bit of a liability. So that's something to kind of keep in mind going forward with it. That 7-0 run for the Spurs in the fourth quarter, I think, was eye-opening for me when it comes to certain things. Um, and one of them was it happened in like the only minutes that Jonas Valanciunas played out there. So let's talk about that and the latest trade rumors for the Pelicans coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel as well. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And if you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about sitting on the couch, grabbing your favorite snacks, and placing some super wagers. So go to FanDuel because they have so many ways for you to end the season on a win or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so many more. You also have the coin toss, heads, tails, all of those fun props. You can also get in on parlays, wager a little to win a lot of multiple legs of that parlay hit. So new customers, join today and you're going to get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports book partner of the NFL and the official sports book of Locked On And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today into every day. We're here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast, breaking down everything you want to know about this Pelicans team. It's trade deadline week. We're going to be covering it all here. So make sure you are subscribed. Become an everyday or listen Monday through Friday to Locked On Pelicans as well. And we're going to be here whenever you need, whenever something or maybe nothing happens. We'll make all sense of it all, certainly on Friday as well as kind of the post-deadline show recap and everything. So speaking of trade deadline, rumors, they're out there, right? This one comes from the Action Network saying the Pelicans called about Mikel Bridges. We talked about him on the show just last week saying he could be the right kind of piece for the Pelicans. You know, I think when you look at the Brooklyn Nets, there's like not really a path to contention and rebuilding with the way the draft picks and everything have kind of shaken out for them with trades for, you know, uh, James Harden and then moving on from Harden. And all of that is just like an absolute mess of a situation, it feels like, in terms of trying to build a team. But they have some intriguing pieces, right? Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, and then Mikel Bridges, basically the crown jewel of all of that. You know, Bridges, to me, isn't a number one guy, you know, best suited to that. He'll play that role on the Brooklyn Nets, which he's doing right now. But in general, I don't think he's, you know, cast as a number one guy in the league. I think he's a, a strong number two. So if we are talking the hierarchy with the Pelicans here, right... You know, I've said you probably need to include Brandon Ingram in a trade for Bridges. You know, maybe other picks or things like that, too. You know, I think that's an opportunity for the Pelicans to kind of sort this out. You know, it sounds like they called. They were rebuffed by the Brooklyn Nets. There's a reason we talked about Bridges on the show last week. You know, they were rebuffed by the Nets who don't seem intent on trading him whatsoever. I think that's probably a mistake for them. I would probably kind of tear down that team and get what you can get and try and build through the draft with them. But Bridges, it sounds like, isn't going to be moved this trade deadline and his value will only go down, I think, and that creates an issue for that team long term. But the Pelicans sound like they called and were sniffing around trying to do that. You know, the move we kind of expect them to make is at the center position. And that's really where there's been most smoke around the team of what they're looking to try and do and see if that maybe fixes the starting lineup issues for the Pels. I don't necessarily think it will. 
but we've heard that. You know, in this game against the San Antonio Spurs, I think does kind of show that, you know, there are liabilities there with Jonas Valanciunas as good as he is. For a guy who scored 18 points in this game, he was a minus 15, right? Like, this was just not the right matchup for him with Victor Wimbanyama and that length and, and stuff, essentially. You know, when he came in to spell Zion Williamson for literally a minute and nine seconds, minute and ten seconds, Spurs go on a 7-0 run and, like, relentlessly attacked that. And the Pelicans couldn't generate any sort of offense to really kind of build it up and do what they needed to do. So seeing that goes like, you know, it's it's eye-opening in the sense of like, as much as I like Jonas Valanciunas, you can see there's limitations with him. I still don't think trading him for a player that's worse than him makes this team better. But it goes to what I've said, even on the show when I said don't trade Jonas Valanciunas, of he's probably going to hurt you in the playoffs. And I don't know if he's a playoff center on like a championship caliber team or even a conference finalist so this game kind of showed that too of maybe why they're looking at moving on from him despite his solid production and how good he in general is for this Pelicans team so I completely understand it and expect them still to be making calls trying to figure out what they can do I just don't want to see this team make themselves worse by trading away Jonas Valanciunas just to say you kind of like did something. If there's the right move to do it, do it. But he's still a useful player. And look, he might hurt you in the playoffs. But if you get to the conference finals and lose because of Jonas Valanciunas, I think we'd all be calling that a very successful season. And you got to get there in the first place. And Jonas is a guy that can do that. The, the minutes with Jose Alvarado in the fourth quarter also highlight something. And this was reported by Yahoo and Jake Fisher earlier in the month that the Pelicans this summer are maybe expected to target a backup point guard position. I don't think they need a starting point guard with the starting lineup. I don't at all. I think that works if you run things through Zion Williamson in particular, but you also have CJ who can handle some of that. You also have Brandon Ingram who's been doing it and this team is winning games. Let's give them credit where credit's due for that, right? I don't think it's the most inspiring of the wins, but you get what I'm saying. You're still winning games and you're not miserable here. So, I do think a backup point guard is useful for games like this, where you just need someone to organize you and to kind of fill that role, hence why they played Jose Alvarado the entirety of the fourth quarter when they really needed someone like that, kind of a settling force. Someone with a little bit more size, a little bit more offense, I think would be super helpful for this team. That's why I've mentioned a guy like Tyus Jones, who's on you know a one-year contract, so could walk at the end of the season. That's not great. Maybe you want to look a different direction to see if you can get a backup point guard like that. I'd love it for minutes where, look, I think Brandon Ingram plays better with another point guard out there on the court. So if you have minutes where there isn't Zion, isn't CJ McCollum out there on the court, having another point guard out there to help him, I think would be a really great thing, right? That 7-0 run for the Spurs was when Jose, Brandon, Trey Murphy, Najee, and JV were on the court. If you could upgrade the offensive position of Jose Alvarado there, I think that 7-0 run probably doesn't happen. If you have a little bit more size in the backcourt there, that probably doesn't happen. And I think that would have been a good thing. So I think that's an area, you know, that they're probably not looking to do much with at the trade deadline right now. But I'm glad they recognize that that is a concern and a position that they want to address. And I think that's something that if they keep the majority of this team together going into next season, they really need to try and address and try and improve upon. So let me know what area you want to see the Pelicans try and improve upon at the trade deadline or this offseason in the comments down below on YouTube and become an everydayer because, look, it's trade deadline week. We're going to be covering everything here. We'll recap the game tomorrow from tonight's game against the Toronto Raptors. That should be a fun one. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, and I'll be back with y'all 
tomorrow. It's been the Lockdown Pelicans Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. See you all next time.